What is up, Duke fans, and welcome to another episode of Duke Blue Central. We're coming at you live late night here after the Duke-Notre Dame game, a game where Duke was fortunate enough to come away with the victory uh, after the setback against Carolina just a few days earlier. Earlier, Always good um, to, uh, to come out strong, come out fighting in that next game. Um, and I think certainly on one side of the ball, Duke really did a good job of that tonight. And, and like I always say, uh, kind of ugly wins always trump uh, pretty losses. And uh, looking across the uh, across Tobacco Road, uh, I'm sure Carolina would like to be in Duke's position, coming away with a win after our uh, great matchup uh, instead of a loss. Now, Clemson is a heck of a lot different team than Notre Dame. Uh, but still, it's always good after an intense emotional game uh, like a rivalry game. Uh, always good to come out and get a victory a lot of those games can be considered trap games uh how many how many games have we lost after unc uh win or lose it's always a tough one to come back for because so much hype is poured into that one rivalry game uh like it always is but duke came out uh and man (laughs) after the first tip it felt like uh uh, duke was going to run away with this thing and be up 20 the whole game Uh, notre dame was able to kind of claw their way back into it with uh, pretty much their only good offensive stretch came after being down I think it got up to 17 at some point but the lead was 20 to 5 at one point uh, Notre Dame hadn't scored in four or five minutes uh, they were able to claw back into it actually get the lead to single digits at halftime um, this was an odd feeling game I, I it was a game where Duke felt like they were up by 20 the whole game, uh, but then you look down and like, yeah, sometimes it was like nine or seven. I think in the second half, Notre Dame had some opportunities to cut the lead to six, even uh, if some three-point shots has fallen. But it just never felt like that. Um, it, it felt like Duke was moderately in control, uh, and mainly because of the defense they were playing. Uh, we'll talk, break it down a little bit more. But the, the keys to this game. Uh, this was an ugly shooting night kind of for both teams. Now, um, Notre Dame is not a powerhouse offensive team. They're a great defensive team in the ACC, um, so that might explain some of Duke's offensive woes uh, during this game. But it was an ugly offensive night uh, at times for, for both teams, certainly basically for the whole night uh, for Notre Dame. Um, it, Duke was able to really ratchet up uh, the defense, but uh, it was just that kind of game. Uh, Duke Duke felt like they were never – it didn't feel like, from a Duke fan's perspective, Duke ever had a chance to really lose this game. I guess, you know, if they hit a couple of these threes and cut the lead to six or even three if both of them go in, maybe we're talking about a different game. Um, but it felt like Duke should have been up by more uh, than what they actually were. And then by the end of the game, uh, you look, and I, I believe it finishes an 18-point victory, and that feels about right. That, that felt like – how dominant Duke was able to be uh, tonight. And, and, and the two big keys for this game, I think, is is why Duke is able to, to come away with a, with a pretty sizable and comfortable win, one where we got to play a lot more players uh, than we normally do. Uh, and one of them comes down to the defense, like I said. Uh, we were honed in on Notre Dame. Pretty much the whole the whole game. I think uh, Shire knew they were going to try to shoot some threes because when you come into Cameron with a less talented team, uh, no offense to the Notre Dame guys, but uh, they wouldn't be expected to compete on, uh, to compete and really hold their own against some of these Duke stars. Uh, a decent strategy to employ when you're going up against a team like that is just to shoot a lot of threes and hope you have a really good shooting night. Uh, Notre Dame did that. They shot 27 threes uh, throughout this game, but they were only able to com- uh, to hit seven of them. 
making for 25%, 25.9, almost 26%, uh, which is not a winning percentage from three, especially when I think it was such a huge part of your huge part of your game plan. That was indicated by uh, kind of Notre Dame switching up their starting lineup, putting uh, Shrewsbury, the coach's son, in the lineup, uh, who I, I don't know if he's their best three-point shooter, but he certainly adds a, a large three-point threat uh, to the team, and, and he did hit a couple of threes, made Duke pay. Uh, but I think Duke also knew that Notre Dame was going to do that and defended the three pretty dang well. They weren't helping a lot on interior uh interior guys getting the ball. Even when we had Ryan Young playing for stretch minutes, um, when uh, the Notre Dame bigs would get into the paint, it wasn't like people were coming over and doubling, wasn't people coming over to help. We were mainly concerned with uh, with locking up that three-point arc, and they did that tonight. And that was one reason why. And I think the other one is uh, the amount of turnovers Duke was able to force. After a game where I, I don't believe Duke forced any turnovers against North Carolina. I, I would imagine that was obviously a point of emphasis in practice this week because Duke was able to force 15 on Notre Dame, um, which is a huge number for us. And, and if we can continue to get that kind of defensive pressure, uh, this defense will go to the next level for Duke. And, and something that I noticed and tweeted out very early in the game is that Duke was pressing Notre Dame a lot. And right from the jump, uh, we were full court pressing them, kind of like uh, half court pressing pressing them, just making them uncomfortable bringing the ball over half court. And, it, 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 you know, the strategy there kind of famously just ticks off some uh, some clock on the shot clock where you're not able to get into an offensive rhythm. And, and whatever we did there really worked. And I know a lot of Duke fans on Twitter, because of the speed, athleticism, and uh, kind of quickness of Duke's roster, have been uh, vying for, for playing a lot of pressure on defense. And uh, so I, I don't know if maybe was this a Notre Dame tactic? Was this something Duke is going to continue to do moving forward? I'd like to see him try it moving forward. Uh, it just again, because of the, the hand speed, the agility, the movement of some of our guards, I think playing this kind of pressure could play into our strength. Um, only time I could see it backfiring would be uh, just the fatigue of the guys. Duke doesn't, we have a, a a bench, but it's not like a, we're not one of these deep teams that are going to play 10, 11, 12, 13 guys come March. I think come March we're going to play 8 to 9 guys at the most. Um, and, and sometimes pressing for that long in games could uh, lead to more fatigue from the guys. And that's certainly not what we want when we need some of them out there to play 35 minutes in uh, in really critical games down the stretch. Um, but that's not to say that you have to press the entire game. Uh, I think there are you know, important runs in the game. You know, you say, hey, last five minutes of the game, last five minutes of the half, uh, we're playing press. Or to start the game, we're playing press, hopefully build a little bit of a lead, then we can settle back in, maybe get some kind of active rest on the court, at least on the defensive side, just for those few seconds the guys are bringing up the ball. Um, but but the, but I'd like to see Duke try that press, man, uh, a, little more, a little more frequently. It really worked tonight. You know, Notre Dame was only able to score 53 points tonight. And that's that's including, you know, the end of games. People are always getting garbage time points. I think Notre Dame hit at three, made a couple open layups that, you know, it, during the meat of the game, Duke is not allowing those kinds of shots. So th this was a game that Notre Dame could have easily been in the 40s for, uh, which is an absurd number uh, for a college basketball team to put up, even though I think Miami – 
Miami played Virginia and scored 38 points against Virginia, which is just in nutty, insanely nutty how crazy that is. I, I can't remember. And it's Miami, too. The fact that this team renowned for their offense and shooting to be held to 38 is just absurd. Um, now this, there, there was nothing to that level on display tonight. Um, and we'll get our, we'll Duke will get their crack at that Virginia defense in, in just a few short games here. Um, but the fact that this is easily a game where Notre Dame could have finished in the forties and scoring, uh, just speaks to how focused and locked in Duke was really on, on defense tonight. Um, and, and that kind of leads me to the offensive side of the ball where, Gosh, this might be the game where I don't know if there is one standout player. You're like, oh, what a great game they had. I mean, guys didn't have horrible games. But it, it, just reading the box score here, McCain finished with 11 on uh, one for two, three point, only shot two threes, made one. Five for nine shooting. Another good game for McCain. Finished with three three rebounds, two assists, one steal. Um, it, not enough is being talked about McCain. Uh, I'd need to look at the stats for the ACC rookies, but man, if he's not making a case for himself to be uh, to be rookie of the uh, rookie of the year in the ACC, I, again, I, I know they've got some other good players. I know Pitt's got two guys that are really good. Um, so you know, you're always going to have to look at the stats, and and Duke is a very stacked team uh, as far as talent. So there's a certain amount. If McCain was on a team where where he was leading, he'd be he'd be shooting 15 times a night. We we would be talking about him as a lock for play, ACC Rookie of the Year. But gosh, he he's got to be, I would think, third or higher on that short list for that award right now. The, the way that he's come on um, and the way he's able to do just everything so efficiently. Um, but, but yeah, tonight, I mean, 11 points, kind of low for what he's been doing recently. Mark Mitchell, I think, had a decent game. Four for eight, shooting 50%. Missed both of his threes. He did take them. Um, to finish with 55% from the line, you don't love to see that. 13 points, you know, how many rebounds do you have? 10 rebounds, 13 and 10. So you got a double-double. That's a good game for Mark. I think Mark can, Mark can be happy with that. That's about what we expect from him. Roach had a, had a rough game, 3 for 10 on shooting. Shot five threes, only made one. Finishes with seven. Same with Kyle Filipowski. Had a rough game again because of foul trouble. Uh, it's just so, you know, I love Flip and think he's one of the best players in the country. Let me preface with that. But it's got to be frustrating for him, too. Uh, the amount of games this season, he is just not able to have his full impact because of these stupid fouls. And it's not even like, it would be one thing if Flip was getting called for, like, really hard fouls in the post where guys are coming up and he doesn't quite go straight up. But these are just like one foul was a push in the back off a rebound today. He's getting screen fouls. Like it's just, it's, it's these kind of, I don't, I don't want to call them, they're not lazy, but just not smart, just not intelligent moves. And for a player of his caliber, he's got to know that for him to have an impact on this team, he has to be on the floor. He ended up only playing 21 minutes tonight. And now some of that might have been at the end there. But uh, but this is this is a, a game where Ky uh, Proctor was able to play 29 minutes. Mark was able to play 32. McCain's playing with 26. Roach, 27. And you're getting almost 10 minutes less of Kyle Filipowski than the rest of your starters. When he is almost non-arguably 
Duke's best player and one of the best players in the country. Uh, just we got to find a way uh, to make sure he's not picking up these fouls. And some of that's on him, some of that's on coaching. And I think they both would tell you that. And uh, they both would tell you that that has been a problem for us on the year. And, and it's hard to ignore now. Um, and when you talk about a sport in college basketball where the playoff system is win or lose – you're you go home if you lose it's not it's not the nba playoffs where you get a <laughs> if flip you know fouls fouls out one game early we can chill because we got a seven game series behind us uh as college basketball fans well know march madness is a beast it's cruel it's unforgiving uh and if <laughs> if flip has one of these games let's say in a in a second round uh, against a hot team that's shooting well and all of a sudden you look up, he's got two quick fouls in the first half. Uh, Shire's going to have to make some difficult decisions just to stay alive in the tournament if he can't get this fouling uh, uh, under control. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's Flip and Roach only combined for 15 points in this game. If you would have told me that before the game, I would have been a little sketched out. Um, moving on to Tyrese Proctor, I, I said this in my last episode, he's just still not shooting the ball as much as I'd like to see him. And again, this is not all on the players. This is on the team and how they play and everything. And this is no disrespect to Proctor. He, he really is one of my favorite players to watch. Um, but he finished three for seven tonight. Um, not bad shooting metrics. Uh, got finished, added on with uh, two, three rebounds and two assists. Nine points on the night. Uh, he had a couple shots at the line that went down. But, man, for him to only be shooting the ball seven times in a game where he plays 29 minutes to me is crazy. Um, and I, I know this team has a lot of guards. But can we all just agree that he should be shooting? Mark, no disrespect to Mark. He's he's that kind of player, though. We all, I feel like we all think that Proctor should be shooting the ball significantly at a higher rate than Mark Mitchell. I mean, he's a point guard, has the ball in his hands, and is an offensive skilled player that can dribble like nobody else on this team. Uh, and he finishes the game with seven shots, which is less than Caleb Foster, Kyle Filipowski, Jeremy Roach, Mark Mitchell, and Jared McCain. Uh, man, I, I don't know if if this is coaching, but sometimes I, I, I wish he would just, even for just, and I tweeted this during the game too, even for just quick stretches of time, I wish Proctor could just uh, adopt a mentality of, okay, now's the time for me to get mine. I, I know he's a great passer, and he he's obviously so honed at that part of his game, but it, it's just so obvious to me that you want this guy shooting 10-plus shots a game. The way he can get to the basket, uh, get those kind of underhanded layups to go, draw fouls, and he's great from the line. He, he might be our highest free throw shooter, uh, free throw percentage guy. The, well, let's see. Free throw percentage, he is only shooting, uh, I guess, 75% on the line. It feels a little low, 30 for 40 from him. But either way, um, I think he's better than that percentage shows. But it, it's just uh, it's fr it's frustrating to me watching him sometimes because it's like he'll make a move, score a basket, and you're just like, man, if, if you just did that a couple more times a game – the, everything would go up. The scoring totals would go up. Duke would score more, and you could still do the passes. Like he, he could still have a lot of assists. Um, but I'd like to see him maybe just get a tad more selfish. Um, and and I said the ex almost the exact same thing last podcast. Um, and there are times in games where he takes over. I remember. I think it was Georgia Tech. Was it Georgia Tech at home? Where uh, what I think uh. 
Roach and Flip were injured, maybe. Uh, the game where Roach injured his ankle, uh, I think that was against Georgia Tech at home at Cameron. And he just, like, Roach went out, and he instantly knew, okay, yep, time for me to take over. Shot a couple threes, made them, got to the basket, made those. I just want that guy all the time uh, to just have that mentality of, you know, okay, for this five minutes, it's my time. I'm getting mine. Um, and, and Proctor could just light up the score, uh, the box score. Um, that being said, he's still a great player. I'm not saying take him out of the game because even if he doesn't score a point, what he does defensively is good. Um, look, this is a game where everybody played good defense. So to hold a team to 53, you, you got to have good defensive play. But even on nights where Duke as a team is not playing good defense, Proctor is. And he does so many other things that are so valuable for the team. He, he absolutely should be a starter still. Uh, absolutely should play 30-plus minutes. Uh, not worried about that in the slightest. But, man, I, I just wish for stretches of the game. It's almost like one of those out of a timeout, you say, hey, you know, these next three minutes we're playing through Tyrese. Uh, I just like to see that sometimes, just to really see him hit his potential. Because you know what's gonna, you know exactly what's going to happen. is like Tyrese is going to go to the NBA, and he's going to be, <laughs> like, all of a sudden, he'll go on these insane scoring bursts, score 25-30 in, in a few games, and everybody will be like, man, this is, look at, Look at how Tyrese can score. And it's like, yeah, well, yep, he was like that at Duke too, but he just, we just didn't, maybe didn't let him be aggressive enough. And that's, I've watched guys from go from Duke in the NBA a ton where it's like, man, where did this, all this scoring come from? And that I feel like has the potential with, with Tyrese. But I just love, love to see him get a tad more selfish and aggressive. Um, but I like where his head's at, and he's good for this team. Uh, the three-point shooting tonight stunk, um, but it was it was kind of that kind of game where just felt like the team was so locked in on defense, and, and they missed shots they normally make. I mean, look, um, Proctor expects to have a better shooting night than one for five from three. A couple, again, and this is another thing. He hits two more threes, you know. We're looking at a 15-point game from Proctor, and I'm probably talking about him a little different. Um, but, you know, those are some shots he have to hit. I think he would have expected to hit more. He got a couple open looks tonight that didn't go down. Um, but, but just the way this game was going, it, it didn't really feel like a game Duke needed to be great from three, uh, and we weren't. Um, but, again, I, I'm still like uh, Duke has – definitely calmed my nerves about being a good three-point shooting team at the beginning of the year a lot of my podcasts were saying if this Duke team isn't a great three-point shooting team we're not going to go very far at all that was supposed to be a marquee of this team and now it's not over the past several uh couple weeks Duke's really put that to rest uh firming that this is a great three-point shooting team, but sometimes you're going to have off nights, um, and it's good to have an off night when you're playing defense like this. Um, but we didn't shoot the ball well against Carolina uh, uh, either, so uh, this is kind of a two-game skid where we haven't shot the three ball as well uh, as we would have liked to. So hopefully uh, this is maybe just a couple rough games for the team and we can get back on track. And, uh, yeah, I think that's all I have to say for this one. This is kind of a quicker pod. This was a we- weird game. Not a, I don't have, like, a ton of takeaways from this because uh, it was kind of a rock fight shooting for both teams. Duke played awesome defense, and uh, we got the job done at Cameron. We played Boston College next, uh, and then Wake Forest after that. And those uh, those Wake games are uh, – 
are going to be critical. I, I saw somebody else post on Twitter talking about how uh, Wake Forest could could there's a possibility Wake Forest could sneak up to a quad one territory even when we're playing them at home. I think they're, they'll definitely be quad one playing them on the road. But if we can get an opportunity there for two quad one games uh, where you know we win those both, that's two more quad one wins to add to our resume. That would be uh, th- that would be really something uh, for the committee. I think Lenardi Lenardi had us at a, a three seed today, uh, which I think honestly most Duke <laughs> most Duke fans, myself included, would be pretty happy with that at that point at this point in the season. Uh, I think there are only two one seeds that are firmly grasped. I think uh, UConn and Purdue have got those pretty much locked up. I think Carolina is close uh, as as long as they don't stumble again. Uh, as of right now, I think Duke's got a couple of tough games left on the schedule. I'd say both of the Wake Forest games are tough, and then you play Virginia. And then you've also got State away, uh, even though they've looked really vulnerable as of late. And you've got Miami away. And, look, I know that I just talked about them only scoring 38, but that's just one of those teams where – you you play them on the wrong night, they hit fifty percent of their threes, and and you could be walking out with the L. So, uh, but if if right now if it stayed how it was, if Carolina doesn't lose, Duke doesn't lose until their last game. Uh, that game at Cameron would I think would determine the regular season champion. Um, so we'll see how that unfolds. If if that situation unfolds. Is it a thing where we both kind of knock ourselves out of being ones and both Duke and Carolina are twos? Um, but I think Carolina uh, is still firmly in the driver's seat of getting a one seed. Uh, but other than that, man, I mean, the twos and three seeds are going to be so hard to sort out uh, for this for this committee. Let me pull up the AP poll real quick. Uh, it, it's, it's all over the place. Um, I thought Duke actually got a little shafted in the most recent AP poll just because, like, uh, we get a win against Clemson at home. We get a win at Virginia Tech, a tough game to play, plus a place to play. And then we lose to Carolina, who was number three, and uh, we dropped down a couple spots, and yet they stayed the same even after – I don't know. I, well, I guess they're Clemson. Or no, well, even after losing to Georgia Tech before us. Like, they lost to Georgia Tech and beat us and didn't move. And we beat Clemson and Virginia Tech, lose to them, and we dropped down two spots. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact Arizona – they wanted to put Arizona ahead of us, which is tough to argue. I mean, we played head-to-head and we lost. Um, but, like, Marquette, does Marquette to deserve to jump us that bad? Even a team like Tennessee, all those teams have five – like, even just looking at it now – UConn and Purdue have separated themselves as, uh, as I think, the clear the top two teams. Both only two lost teams. Carolina. After that, though, Carolina has four. Kansas has four. Houston has three. Uh, you know, they they are who they are. Great defensive team. Tennessee has five. Marquette has five. Arizona has five. Duke has five. Illinois has five. Then you kind of get lower. Wisconsin has six. Auburn sitting there at twelve, but only has four. And you have Baylor, who we beat early in the year, who has five losses. Iowa State has five losses, but have some really good wins against top five teams. Uh, so just this uh, <laughs> this tournament seating is going to be really exciting. Let's see how it shakes out. Uh, you you never know how 
the end of the season is going to go. One of these teams could just drastically drop, fall off a cliff, or uh, there's a you know there could be another team who finishes out undefeated and sneaks into a three or two or even a one seed. Um, but 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 these last uh, this last half of the ACC season is obviously a huge deal for Duke, not only because of a you know how we're going to head into the ACC tournament and and whether we can achieve a regular season championship uh, like I think this team was expected to. Um, but it's also big for seeding. Uh, this is the time of year where we're looking at, um, hey, how many can we pick? Can we pick up another sneaky quad one win or avoid a quad two three loss? Um, this is when you'll see those conversations really pick up. But uh, for the next, at least for the next uh, for the next couple games, for Boston College, Duke should feel pretty comfortable with that. And then you start having a real conversation uh, when we got to play Wake. Uh, but that's all I'm going to hit you with this episode. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to give me a follow on Twitter, you can do that over at Duke Blue Central. Love to interact with you there. Uh, it's been great talking to all you guys. Go Blue Devils.